Psalm 96. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to Yahweh, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonderful works among all people. For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory of his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness and tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. He judges the people fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the seas and everything in them exult. Then all the trees of the forest will shout for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his faithfulness. Turning to Revelation chapter 7 where we find John in his vision in heaven before the throne. And if you're looking for good news, just listen up. This is it. After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every tribe, people and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were robed in white, with palm branches in their hands, And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell face down before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, who are these people robed in white? Where do they come from? I said to him, sir, you know. And then he told me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God And they serve him day and night in his sanctuary. The one seated on the throne will shelter them. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any heat. For the lamb, who is at the centre of the throne, will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of living waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Peter. As I said before, this is Mission Focus Weekend, so there's no sermon tonight. We're going to talk on mission. Uh, my aim is to help you to lift your eyes off yourself and onto the nations. Lift your eyes off Kiribati or 
Mossman or Lavender Bay or wherever you live and, and think beyond your locality and to think about what God's doing in the world. I want to begin by a quote by a guy who wrote this book, Operation World, which basically goes through every country of the world and gives you some prayer points for different countries. The author said this, it's quite a confronting statement. There are billions of people in the world from thousands of different people groups who have never had the chance to do what we have just done. That is, worship the Lord Jesus Christ, sing to him, pray to him, or just hear a simple gospel message. Don't you find that confronting? Billions of people, thousands of different people groups, who never have the chance to do this. They never get to, to worship Jesus. They never get to sing praises to Jesus. Uh, for some of them, they can't do it because uh, they'd be persecuted, they'd be killed for doing it. But for the majority of those billions of people, they can't do it because they've never heard the gospel. They've never heard the name Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe me, there's approximately 1.6 billion people in the world today who have never heard the name Jesus. 1.6 billion people. Now, I find that really confronting. It's confronting, especially in light of Jesus' so-called Great Commission. Remember the last words of Jesus to his disciples? Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of... What did he say? Of, sorry, all nations. Don't you sometimes wish that Jesus had said, some nations? Because then we could sit here quite comfortably. Don't you sometimes wish that Jesus had said, go and make disciples of the Western world? Because then we feel quite good about ourselves. If Jesus said, go and make disciples of the nations who'd like to hear about Jesus, then our task would be easy. But he doesn't say that. He, he looks at his disciples and says, as you go, as you go about your normal Christian life, your task in this world is to make followers of me. Your task is to make new disciples of all nations. If we're sitting here in Sydney, he's saying to us, our task is to take the gospel from Sydney to Syria, to Singapore, to Sudan, to Sri Lanka, to Switzerland, to Sweden, to all the world, to all the nations. That's massive, isn't it? Don't you find that mission kind of overwhelming? And the thing I love about the Bible is that the task is massive, but then Jesus gives you this massive encouragement. And we've just heard it read from Revelation chapter 7, the, the picture of heaven on the last day. Look at this verse. After this I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, from all the nations. the same word, from all nations and all tribes and all peoples and all languages, which no one could number. They're so vast. What are they doing? They're standing before the throne and before the Lamb. I find that immensely encouraging. On the last day, Jesus has promised me that there'll be people from every language and every people and every tongue and every nation, and they're not there for themselves, they're there to worship Jesus. 
in the reading we just had from Revelation chapter 7, someone asked, who are these people? Who are these people worshipping the Lamb? And the answer is, those, they're those who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. It's not great sort of domestic advice, though, is it? Make something white by washing in blood. But the picture there is that they are the people who have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. They're the men and the women, the boys and the girls, who have been made right with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. They're men and women, boys and girls, who have heard the gospel, who have believed the gospel, who have trusted Jesus, and because of that, they're surrounding the throne on the last day. And my question for you and me tonight is this. How are they going to wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb if they've never heard about Jesus? How can they possibly be there on the last day? if they've never heard the name Jesus Christ. I remind you again, 1.6 billion people haven't heard the name Jesus. But when you've understood the mission and when you've understood the encouragement, then you go. Here's a man who got it. His name is C.T. Studd. Anyone heard of him? No? No? Yep. Born in England in 1860. He was a famous cricketer. Played cricket for Eton College, for Cambridge University, and for England. He played cricket for England in 1882 against a, a nation called Australia. It was the first Ashes Test, and England lost it. Nothing's changed, has it, really? But he's not famous for a cricketer, he's famous as a missionary. This man spent his life serving his saviour in China for 10 years, in India for 6 years, and in Africa for 6 years. Listen to what he says. What is all the fame and flattery worth when a man comes to face eternity? I know cricket will not last. My fame and honour will not last. And nothing in this world will last. But it's worthwhile living for the world to come, for eternity, and to serve my Savior. And because he understood the gospel was to go to all the nations, he left to go to China. He wrote a letter to his mother. said this, I'll read one sentence. Mother dear, I pray that God might show you the great privilege to give up a child to be used by God to serve poor sinners who have never even heard the name of Jesus. He spent 10 years in China. He pastored a church in India for six years. And then his health failed him. And his doctors encouraged him to go back to England to retire. But instead, this, this amazing man got on a boat to the Sudan and pioneered gospel work there. See, there's a man who understood the big mission and the big heart of God. Here's a lady who did the same. Do you know her? Elisa Yule. She's a member of this church. She goes to Southern Night Church. She spent many, many, many years as a missionary to Nepal with the leprosy mission, working amongst those who are least fortunate. Now, when you think about Nepal, spectacular scenery, beautiful mountains. You see the film Everest? 
beautiful, beautiful country. Let me give you some stats on Nepal. Eight million people in Nepal live on less than a dollar a day. Almost 50% of under fives in Nepal are malnourished. Uh, Nepal has 80% uh, Buddhists, 10% Hindus, uh, 10%, uh, sorry, 6% Muslims, and 0.04% Christians. Nepal has 355 unreached people groups. That is people who have never heard the name Jesus Christ. So why would Elisa give up you know, her life here in Sydney to go to live and work among the poor in the poor? I'll tell you why. She caught the vision that all nations get to hear the gospel. And I reckon there'll be people around the throne on the last day worshipping the Lamb because of this lady. Do you know this couple here? Stan and Claire, they're our mission partners as well. They're serving the Lord somewhere in the Middle East. I say somewhere because we can't know where they are because it's too dangerous. They've gone just as normal workers to do their normal everyday job, but to live as a Christian and take opportunities to talk about Jesus. Now let's, let's, let's suppose they're working in Afghanistan. They're not working in Afghanistan, but let's assume that they were. There are 30 Three million people in Afghanistan, and 99.4% are unevangelized. There are three full time gospel workers for every million people in Afghanistan. That means there's a equivalent of like 60 church workers for the whole of Australia. If you were born in Afghanistan, you'd have the chance of hearing the gospel once every 30 years. We need more people like Stan and Claire who are willing to go to go to the Middle East. They've caught the vision. Today is Mission Focus Sunday. I want to ask you, by, by, by I want to start by saying, how are we going? How are we going with this all-nation things? Let's talk about the positives. Look at this map here. Christianity is the majority religion in a huge number of countries across, across the world. That is really encouraging, isn't it? Now this next map, every dot here represents 50,000 people. The, the, the gospel, the blood of Jesus has been preached and has been accepted and been believed throughout the whole world. I can stand here tonight and say that every nation has a believer in it. That's exciting, isn't it? It's not like other world faiths. So the world's Muslims, remember every dot, 50,000 people. The world Muslims predominantly exist in Indonesia and in Pakistan and in India and in Bangladesh. The world's Buddhists predominantly exist in China and Japan and Thailand and Vietnam. The world's Hindus predominantly exist in India and Nepal and Bangladesh. They haven't really impacted the rest of the world. Look again at the Christian faith. Doesn't that excite you? That around the world today, there are millions of people worshipping the Lamb. Here's another question for you. What is the fastest growing faith in the world today? It's not Islam. 
is evangelical Christianity. By evangelical, I mean people who believe in the uniqueness of Christ. He's the only way for salvation. Who believe in the inspired word of God. This is the inspired, authoritative word of God. And who believe in mission and evangelism. We are the fastest growing faith in the whole world. And that excites me. I'm a mathematician, so graphs and maps excite me. Look at this one. Where are most of the evangelicals today? They're not in England. They're not in Australia or America. They're in Africa and they're in Asia and they're in Latin America. And our brothers and sisters in those nations can teach us a lot about mission. Let me show you three stories. The Philippines. The Philippines is the only Asian nation which is predominantly Christian. And the Philippines have a mission strategy. Here it is. They are training up domestic workers, that is, nannies and nurses. And they're training them, and they are educating them, and they're equipping them for evangelism, and they're sending them. And they're sending them to two places. They're sending them across to the Arab world. And so these nannies get into the homes and look after the kids, and they share their faith, and they evangelize. They're sending them to the Arab world, and they're sending them to... Australia, because I think that we need to hear the gospel. And so, you know, when you go to a hospital and you get a Filipino nurse, she may, she may well have been trained as a missionary to come here to evangelize you. That excites me. Nigeria have what's called the 50-15 vision to raise up 50,000 missionaries in the next 15 years to send to the North African Islamic states. Wow. What a vision that is. And China. China, which is the fastest growing Christian nation today, they have a, a, a what's called the 100,000 back to Jerusalem vision to raise up 100,000 missionaries to take the gospel back to Jerusalem to evangelize the places where, first, where Jesus first walked. As you hear about all this missional activities of the majority world of Asia and Africa and China and Latin America, it puts us to shame, doesn't it? <laughs> They've got a heart for the nations like we don't anymore. Do you know that 90% of pioneer missionary work happens by indigenous people? 90% happens not by missionaries flying in from outside the country, but by locals establishing amazing gospel work. And that's why we support Overseas Council Australia. You ever heard of them? This guy is called Stephen Nong. He's one of our mission partners attached to our 5 p.m. congregation. At OCA, I've got a vision to establish Bible colleges in the most strategic cities in the developed wo developing world. Because what they're saying is, we need locals to be trained up and equipped to be missionaries to their own people. And that's why Morgan and Anna Powell, this next, next slide, they're our mission partners in Peru. So, so Morgan used to be a pastor here in Sydney. He's not a pastor in Peru. He's training up locals to be missionaries and locals to be evangelists and locals to be pastors. So you think about the mission work all around the world. It's exciting, isn't it? The gospel is going out. You get a little glimpse of heaven 
even here today. But we've got a lot of work to do, haven't we? We may have ticked off the every nation, but not every tribe, and not every tongue, and not every language, because there's still 1.6 billion people who are yet to hear. Look at that map again. See that block in the middle that's green and purple and yellow? That's called the 1040 window. Anyone ever heard of that? The 1040 window is the countries where there's the least evangelistic activity happen. These are the countries, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, China, India, Indonesia, Iran, Nepal, North Korea, Pakistan, and Turkey. Turkey, least evangelized. How does that happen? Turkey was the place where the church in Ephesus was flourishing. But today the Turks in Turkey are the fifth most unreached people group. You ever been to India, to Indonesia? Stick your hand up here if you've been to Indonesia on a cheap jet star flight. And there's 250 million people live in Indonesia. Do you know how many of those are yet to hear about Jesus? About 80 million of them. About 0.01% evangelical Christianity in Indonesia. Take a look at these people. This guy here at the top left is called a Fulani. That's a people group in central western Africa. And up until 2014, no Christian missionary has sought to take the gospel to him. The person on the bottom left is called a Huey Chinaman, H-U-I. No one's taken the gospel to them yet. And these people here are called the, the Marsh Arabs. They've existed since the time of Nebuchadnezzar. They build their houses in the marshes. Saddam Hussein tried to wipe them out. But no Christian missionary has taken the name of Jesus Christ to them yet. And my point is this. There's a lot of work to be done. Sure, let's celebrate. But we can't get complacent. I hate this quote. Why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everyone has heard it at least once? Hear that? Why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everyone has heard it at least once? And yes, that's what we do, isn't it? He says there's enough evangelism taking place today to reach the world dozens of times over. Unfortunately, most of it is happening among people who have already heard the gospel. And the stats are staggering. 90% of foreign mission work, 90% of foreign mission work happens among people who have already been reached. In countries where there's already vast numbers of Christians. And just 10% of mission work actually happens among people who are yet to hear the gospel. A lot of work to be done. So why am I here tonight? I'm here to lift your eyes off Sydney onto the world to get you excited about mission. I've got three questions for you. Have you got the passion for mission? Do you have that heart for the nations to hear the gospel? That will never happen unless you have a passion for Jesus Christ. Th these are just stats. These are just 
facts. These are just figures and photographs. But behind every stat and behind every photograph is a real person who is yet to hear the name Jesus Christ. But when your heart is on fire for Jesus, when you've understood that you have been forgiven because of the blood of Christ, and when you've understood that that your Saviour has given you a mission to make disciples of all nations, when you've got a heart for Jesus, you can't but see these photographs and see these stats without being moved, can you? So have you got a passion for the nations? Number two, are your priorities right? What do you live for? I'm going to read a disturbing quote. I find it really uncomfortable. While most middle class families would not hesitate to spend $400 a month on a car repayment or a mobile phone bill or for internet access, they don't comprehend that they could fully support seven Indian missionaries or trainers or trainers in Asia with that same number of dollars. The opportunity and challenge for the Western church is to invest in the equipping of missionary work in India and Africa and the poorest nations of Asia. The opportunity is vast and the needs are critical. The Lord is just waiting for the rich to partner with the poor to make disciples of all nations. I was thinking this week, have we got our priorities right here? Where are we sending our mission partners to? Who are we send to work amongst? All, all around the world, it's the same stat that most people become Christians between the ages of 4 and 18, kids and youth. But how much mission work happens amongst the kids and the youth? Why don't we focus on the next generation and seek to evangelize them? I mean, you don't have to go because God in his kindness brings them to us, actually. Did you know that 25% of international students here in Australia are from countries where foreign mission work is banned? We, we can't get into these countries, but 25% of the international students come from those countries and God brings them to us. And for one year or two years or five years, we get the privilege of them living in this nation. And we can evangelize and we can send them back, sheltering the blood of Christ. So have you got the passion? Have you got your priorities right? But if you don't want to go, and you don't want to give, you can pray, can't you? Prayer is one thing that everybody in this room can do. C.T. Studd said this, men, when men work, man works. But when men pray, God works. Do you ever think about praying beyond your patch? Do you ever think about praying for people you've never met? I've been rebuked by my prayerlessness this week. I bought this book about 20 years ago. In the early days as a Christian, I was passionate about world mission. I'd have my Bible, and I'd do my daily Bible reading, and I'd do my daily Operation World page. Now, page a day, country a day, just read a few facts and then pray for that country. And this book has sat on my shelf for about 10 years, and I haven't prayed for the nations. What happened 10 years ago? 
church by the bridge started 10 years ago. And it's almost like I became so inward-looking. Oh, I'm good at praying for Kiribati, and I'm good at praying for you guys, and I'm good at praying for, for Sydney. But it's kind of like I've lost the global vision. And I've been slack at praying for the world. Will you do that? Will you pray for all nations? Buy a copy of this book. Go online and get the digital version. Get the app that comes into your phone. We have the privilege of sitting here and praying for the gospel work in people among countries that you've never been to and you may never go to, but you can pray. And let's watch God do his work, shall we? So the task is massive. All nations. <laughs> the promise is so encouraging that there will be people from every tribe, every nation, every language, every people group around the throne on that last day. And guess what? You and I can be part of that.